Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sickleman. With me is Benjamin Solak joining you guys for another midweek mock draft edition of the podcast. This is slowly becoming my favorite day of the week on the podcast, Ben, when we get to go yes. through this draft order. Midweek, my favorite day of the week, because we can't say the actual day of the week that it is, because then otherwise we'd lose the alliteration. And of that course. is unacceptable. <laughs> I was actually having a debate with somebody between what was the worst day of the week, Tuesday or Wednesday. I think it's Tuesday. Not like for the podcast, not like for the podcast. Obviously, like every day you listen to the podcast, it's an incredible day. It's the greatest yeah. day you've ever heard in your life. But I feel like just Tuesdays in general. Yeah, for my for the way that my work, like our work schedule works and when stuff's going on and everything, Tuesday is right. the day. Like we're this is currently Tuesday that we're recording. You know, don't you know pull back the curtain here. We record the day before, <laughs> um, and it's and like it's six o'clock and I am burnt out. Like I've been working the whole day. This is yeah. This is probably the toughest day of the week. Could have had Tuesday night football, but you know, Raven Steelers had to go change it again. Whatever, yeah, you know, to be healthy. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, guys, this football season is going to be different. We've already seen that it's different, but Pepsi is here to still get us ready for game day. No matter how we are watching this season, Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day or Tuesday and become a member of the league of football watchers. These are the passionate real generational talent that Pepsi fuels each and every week because Pepsi isn't those it, Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch. Pepsi made for football watching. But I never remember. Did I pick first last week or did you? I also don't remember in this context. Okay, well uh, then I'm going to have you I mean, pick so first. Eagles are even and Bucks first. are odd. You, so. Oh, shoot, you're right. Yeah, it's shaking up this time. So do you want to get me fix the Eagles or do you want to contribute to the Bucks Super Bowl run in 2021? Oh, I guess we'll stick with the home. Like, I guess we'll stick. Yeah, yeah. I got you. I guess I'll evens for Ben, use. odds for Trevor. Uh, the biggest shakeup is probably the location, right? Eagles up, and then the Falcons are moving back. Vikings are moving back. Niners right. are moving back. But yep. yeah, the Eagles are the biggest mover. I, it, it's going to be the NFC East team every week. Like if this keeps going back and forth, that's obviously the biggest uh, mover. Giants fans know that uh, I pointed out that they moved back from number <laughs> six to number nineteen. All right, they stop. were not stoked. I'll, yeah, they were not stoked. Well, they just weren't stoked on how I was talking about it, saying that it's <laughs> actually bad news for them, the fact that they moved from 6-19. But, heck, they want to make the playoffs. So, look, go make the playoffs. Go win the division at 5-11. and 11. That's fine with me. Uh, number one overall, New York Jets. It is still the New York Jets. They have not relinquished that one-win game that they have over the Jacksonville Jaguars yet. And because of it, they're still picking Trevor Lawrence. So this one's going to stay lame. I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence at number one. Now, are you going to get potentially no. spicy no. with Not number a, no, two? But what no. if I keep talking nope. in this voice? <laughs> Will I, you I make a different <laughs> pick? Uh, no, I mean, so like uh, Dane Brugler, the athletic friend of the show, had uh, he had Zach Wilson at two for the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson at quarterback two is is a or in that tier, I should say, is a conversation that some are having. I'm not there yet. To me, the, the top tier is still Lawrence and Fields comfortably a quarterback. Uh, and for, you know, it's unlikely the Jets, the Jaguars or the Bengals win a game for the rest of the season. And accordingly, this is probably our top three. And this is most likely our top two with the Bengals at three also being a little bit of a no brainer. 
transitions. Coward. Coward. Hit it. Coward. Cincinnati Bengals at number three. You're right. that This this is pretty simple. Um, this was the case last week, but it has to be after watching Burrow lay there on the ground, your franchise quarterback getting hurt. I know there's, there's of course, more to it than just uh, the guys that are in front of them. I mean, football's a violent game. It could happen at any time. But the thought of getting Penny Soul on one side of the line, Jonah Williams on the other, that's a pretty great tackle core that you can build your franchise quarterback with. And so... Penny Sewell, number three to the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't really think there's another option for them here as long as they are picking this high. Yes, yeah, so then we get to Dallas at four, which is currently the pivot. And it's interesting to think, you know, talking about the NFC East, uh, Dallas still has on their schedule this year the Philadelphia Eagles in week 16 and then the New York Giants in week 17. Uh, so pending how the rest of the year goes, we could have, you know, truly like the battle for Michael Parsons slash Jamar Chase slash whoever ends up being this number four overall pick come in week 16, week 17. Not like we had the Chase Young battle, the Giants right, versus right, Washington right. last year at the end of the season. And so this this four pick is currently the pivot. It is the interesting one for as long as it's the Cowboys. We largely expect to trade back. I think for most teams, this is a great trade back situation because somebody's trying to come up for a quarterback. Um, but with the Cowboys here frozen at four, so we're not really moving guys around just yet for our mock drafts. Uh corner's the biggest need i think corner is probably one of the three or four best players left in caleb farley who's still my corner one for virginia tech we've talked about penny sewell here we've talked maybe about an edge but this this edge class isn't good enough safety class isn't good enough defensive tackle class isn't good enough to me this has to be caleb farley okay so caleb farley going to dallas cowboys i don't disagree with that you and i have talked multiple times about this being a potential trade back spot for them because there's a variety of different picks that they could have you don't necessarily have to stick at number four, especially if there's two quarterbacks still on the board, which there are. Number five, though, no quarterback certainly going at number five. It's the Los Angeles Chargers. So this is another team that could potentially trade back because they have their franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. Uh, Austin Gale had this take, and I'm going to insert it here into this mock draft. Did you see it, Ben? No. So he, look, I still think offensive line is the biggest need here for the Los Angeles Chargers. They, they need yes. some help on the interior, definitely. But with Penny Sewell off the board, I've given them Christian Derrissaw multiple times. That could still be an option, although every time I give them Derrissaw, it's still a reach. You know, picking Derrissaw right. in the top five, top six, I mean, like, that's still a big reach. And even with interior offensive line, yeah, I think Wyatt Davis is good. Elijah Vera Tucker could be a guy that you play there, even though he's been solid at tackle. I, that's, that's still definitely a stretch to me. And so with the Chargers not being able to trade down, I'm going to have a little fun, and I'm going to go with Austin's strategy here. And that is giving the Los Angeles Chargers Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, yeah. To give them a wide receiver trio, potentially, because there's Mike Williams, I think, is an unrestricted free agent this Mm offseason, to potentially give them Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and then Jamar Chase. Like, holy Jamar and Keenan together is a lot of fun. You move those guys around. You put them on the same side of the formation. I would, I would be very I would be very curious to hear what Chargers fans out there who listen to this podcast think of such a move. Tweet at me or tweet at us at Benjamin Soul, like at Tampa Bay Trey. I'd love to hear what you think of this this little different wrinkle for this mock draft. All right. That puts me now with the Eagles at six. This is the moment is... you've been waiting for, right? I mean, like I mean, the, I didn't have Eagles, to wait very long. They're the, here at six. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, the Eagles have been picking 19 for mm-hmm. so long like anytime anyone's ever been able to do a mock draft yourself included the eagles are always picking so far down the mock you're missing out on all the fun players that you actually deserve because your team is bad now you get them here 
at six. I'm very happy for you, my friend. I'm I'm also stoked. I'd be more stoked if Jamar Chase were still available. TBH. <laughs> uh, when you look at Philadelphia, it's not so much a a oh what do they need? It's all right. What do they need worse? And kind of what are they going to be willing to spend this very precious pick on? Would not be surprised again if this is a trade down situation because of how much help they need. Um, but this this team has got such big needs at linebacker, such big needs at safety, but have historically not prioritized those positions, especially under general manager Harry Roseman. So if he's still around, I don't see how Michael Parsons is is, is the move for them. Uh, I look at Patrick Sertan, and I think that pl- placing him next to Darius Slay at corner right now, the Eagles are one of the most man man cover heavy teams in the NFL. Uh, and if you don't have a corner two, that makes it very easy uh, to pick on you. And then they've done that, picking on Avante Maddox, picking on Nickel Roby Coleman. And then you saw last night, you know, Darius Slay is a pretty good man cover corner, but he is on the wrong side of 30. And against players like DK Metcalf, he tends to struggle a little bit. Uh, and so for me, uh, I think that corner is the position I look at that requires a potential top 10 pick. Uh, you know, they also might need offensive tackle and linebacker and safety and wide receiver. But to me, I, I think it's easier to get what you need outside of the top 10 at those positions not easy but easier mm-hmm. versus corner where if you're asking a guy to play true man in his first year potentially cover wide receiver ones you have to be willing to spend this this capital so patrick sertan out of alabama the corner at six will be my pick for philadelphia have you been able to mock him there before like have you ever ever been able to put patrick sertan he's never made Eagles? it never made it to 19 usually i take farley because i, I really like farley but i because i really like farley i take him at four to the cowboys right, right you the eagle most eagles fans get jamar chase here and michael parsons here and mm-hmm. i think that parsons will be on the board for them if there's a new front office but under the current front office i would be stunned yeah we i, I felt like i heard a lot last year that the eagles just were not drafting a linebacker with their first round pick and so like it's this is an even higher valued pick, and of course, I think the need is is greater this year even than it was last year. But I might be with you there with that logic. Carolina is up at number seven, and speaking of Micah Parsons, I mean, this is perfect. They're basically in a situation where now they could draft Micah Parsons, play him next to Shaq Thompson. That frees Jeremy Chin up even more because I think that they've got Chin playing more linebacker roles close to the line of scrimmage maybe not because that's where that they want him most although it it clearly has helped his confidence in year one because he's been able to play around the ball a lot they could get a lot more free with where they use him as a safety linebacker hybrid if you have like a Parsons playing next to Shaq Thompson as opposed to what they have now and so I think this is a fantastic scenario for the Carolina Panthers you and I talked about right this potentially being an area of where like Kyle Pitts could come into consideration. And I, I would honestly say that at this point in the draft with the board, the way that it is, I think that it's probably Parsons one for Carolina and then Kyle Pitts would be two, but I would not be shocked even if Parsons is still on the board. And this might be crazy, even like in the top 10, if they went Kyle Pitts, because they did go all defense last year and they might look at it this year and go, Hey, let's help out the offense this year, especially with their top pick. And so I'm going to go Micah Parsons in this draft, but there are midweek mock drafts that are coming where I think that I'm going to end up taking Kyle Pitts pretty high with the Panthers selection. Man, I really think that you should just do defense drafts every single year, right? You should just never pick an offensive player, draft defense every year. And be like, yo, Joe Brady, odds are you do this fully handicapped just, with absolutely no <laughs> rookies. You, you won't. Just, you just you just bet heavy against them. Uh, before we get to Ben's next pick, when it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment. Hitting your fitness goals 
freeing, your, freeing yourself, feeling really great about yourself, Echelon can help you get there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, uh, all new smart treadmills. No matter what your favorite fitness activity is, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout right from the comfort of your own home. Their workout class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes, always available whenever you need them. And unlike their competitors, Echelon is very affordable for everybody. Uh, Christmas is coming up. You guys need to be thinking about that. Fitness gifts are a great gift for everybody, especially New Year's is coming around. Everybody has those resolutions. I almost said revolutions. I guess you could still have a weight loss revolution if you wanted to. Um, Go to echelonfit.com slash NFL. That's E-C-H. E-L-O-N fit.com slash NFL and check out all of the offers that they have coming around the holidays. All right, Ben, now you are up at number eight with the Washington football team. Kyle Pitts. No, okay. So it's just right. Usually (laughs) we go quarterback at four. They're here at eight, but none of the teams that got in front of them are a legitimate quarterback threat except for perhaps Carolina, Mm -hmm. depending on, on how things look for them. So, uh, to, we've usually made this Zach Wilson. To me, this is probably still Zach Wilson. I, if it were my shot, maybe I would take Trey Lance, but I think it's clear that Wilson has largely jumped him in the national I mean, line. It kind of is your shot. Like You're literally in control right now. Yeah, but like, you know, I for these picks where I don't care too much about getting my guys, I just get like the general guys so that when I get to a pick where I want to take one of my guys, I feel care. better about it. Don't care. <laughs> don't care. Um, what? If we're talking, what? so if, we're, if, if we are talking quarterback trade up though like if you're atlanta at 10 chicago at 13 look who might be getting into the quarterback conversation here oh, baby. oh yeah then this is that eight is the team that you circle where if you really want one of those two guys in tier two that's the group uh in front of whom you have to move i mean i think carolina at seven you know like if if chicago ends the season picking anywhere from like 11 to 14 and carolina's sitting there at like i don't know seven, eight, something like that, heck, even six. Carolina's in a spot where they played really well in their first year under Matt Rule, but they understand that this is still a rebuild and they're still trying to get the roster that they want. I could absolutely see Carolina moving back to where Chicago is for them to move up to go get a quarterback. I think they're a great spot too. You, you, I mean, you, you have to consider it and like very seriously consider it considering where your franchise is, right? Right, right, right. All right, so you're going Zach Wilson? With, uh, yeah, Zach Wilson at eight. Sorry if I didn't make those official. No, you, yeah, you didn't. It's fine. Um, Detroit Lions now in the top ten. They are picking nine overall. I'm not going. I'm not going the quarterback route. We talked about this on Monday's podcast. I still have faith that whoever's going to be the new head coach and the new GM, it's not a let's move on from Stafford kind of a thing. We've given them wide receiver a couple of times here. They certainly don't need a tight end because they drafted TJ Hawkinson eight overall. But I am going to switch it up, and I am going to go to edge rusher. Ben talked about how it's a very weird defensive front right now. It's kind of like either you're playing what the Patriots are playing, what Matt Patricia was trying to build, or it doesn't have a lot of strengths in, in normal defenses. I think they really need an edge rusher that they could trust and they could count on. I'll go Quiddy Pay. I'm going to go Quiddy Pay here to the Detroit uh, Lions at number nine. I really wish Quiddy had a like a longer full name like I used to do with CD. I'd be like, ah, Sidarian. But uh, I had a Quiddy. It's just Quiddy. Quitarius? I don't know. Right. Something like that. Something something fun like that. But Quiddy Pay. I mean, it's, it's a good pick. It's a local pick. 
and they desperately need the edge help, especially for whoever's stuck dealing with that roster. Number 10, Atlanta Falcons. I, 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 I'm not taking Trey Lance. Yeah, open up with that. I'm no, not don't do it. it. Don't do it to Chicago fans. They've waited so long for a mock. Oh, yeah, we, are, we just, are we just going to... There needs to be an unspoken agreement Trey just Lance to get Trey Lance to 13. 13. Yes, yes. Just just for their relief. I, I respect it. Uh, yeah, you look at Atlanta. Quarterback would potentially make sense as a forward-looking draft pick. And if you are the new front office and you're saying, hey, you know, we're, we have to get ready for, you know, we, this is a long-term rebuild. We have to get ready for the next era. And, and a guy like Lance falls into your lap at 10. Maybe you go ahead and you make that call. However, I, I don't think that it's it, it's necessary. Again, like I don't think Matt Ryan is the problem with that team. So then you start looking to the defense where I think they need a ton of relief. Um, we've talked about the fit that you have with Quiddy Pay and Greg Rousseau with the athletic profiles. I don't think they have a big need at linebacker. I think that they're good at safety and corner with Farley and Parsons already off the board. This feels tough. This feels like a situation where I'm kind of forced to go edge. Uh, you can try Aziz Ojolari, Joseph Osai, Greg Rousseau. Mm. I don't love any of those values at 10. I'll take Greg Rousseau. Like I said, if it's, if it's long term, you know, you're not going to get a ton of production out of Rousseau in his first year. But hopefully by 2022, you fill out that frame a little bit. He polishes things up and he's mm-hmm. your 10 sack a year guy. He has yep. that ceiling. Right. I just, yeah, I don't think you're getting a lot out of him in 2021, but I don't think the Falcons as a team should be expecting a lot out of themselves in 2021. So Greg Rousseau at 10. They need edge so bad, you know. Right. And that's it, like, it feels like that situation it, it feels where, like I can't go anywhere else. Right. Yeah. It's kind of either. You know, obviously trade down discussions would come into it, but it's like it's either a quarterback, like you're either drafting Trey Lance or you've basically got to hope that you're getting Greg Rousseau or Quiddy Pay or something like that. I, you know what I totally forgot that I rediscovered today? Um, is it something football related or are you about to talk to yeah, me about yeah, like, it's something Falcons edge related? Okay. Dante Fowler is on that team. Yeah. He Dante, is. Right. And not only is Dante Fowler on that team, he had 11 and a half sacks last year for the Rams and he has two sacks this year for Atlanta. Well, I mean, I think that everybody realized that that 11 and a half was going to <laughs> just, be an outlier. It's just so them. funny to me that Dan Quinn was like, you know what the solution is, man? It's Florida Edge Dante Fowler, baby. <laughs> uh, Miami Dolphins, they've got to inject some speed into that offense. Tua Tungavailoa, I think, taking over full-time next year. I don't think they're going to do the Ryan Fitzpatrick game. Why not give him a familiar target? In Jalen Waddle, a guy that they could play at a very uh, at a variety of different spots on the team, he gives them a lot of juice on offense now to to pair with some of the guys that they already have. So I'll have Jalen Waddle going at number eleven. Broncos at twelve. I'm taking Trey Lance. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I would not even be mad. Are you actually doing it? Listen, Drew Lock Trev is not good. Look. You said it at the beginning of the year that there's uh, something that we need to remember about Drew Locke. <laughs> and what yet. is it, Ben? It's not good. Okay. It's one of my first ever podcasts. Like, like uh, officially as like the host of Locked on NFL yeah, Draft. Yeah, came but, out of the gate swinging. Yeah, I was just like the important thing to remember, man, is that Drew Locke's not. It's not a great prospect. He's not very good. Uh, right. The, I mean, the Broncos. There have been rumors in the national media about potentially firing Vic Fangio which to me is absolutely bonkers I don't think they do it but if we're looking at that being in any way sort of credible any sort of fire behind that smoke it's clear that at ownership level there is discontent with the current state of the franchise I I, I have encouraged 
letting Locke breathe, because I think that he was going to be a quarterback who took some time to develop into an NFL passer. He still clearly has arm talent, and I get that. And I'm excited by that. That's cool. But I, I don't know if by the end of this season you will have seen enough to say we can do this for another year. And if, like, you know, what if next year Vic's defense is good again, your running game is solid again, Mike Munchak has helped with the offensive line, now you're picking 15 and it's not as good of a quarterback class. You don't have the opportunity to replace Drew Locke. So Trey Lance, like, you know, falling to Chicago at 13 is like, oh my gosh, what a godsend. For 12 and the Broncos, it might be as well. This might be the actual guy that they need to be their young quarterback. So I'm taking Trey Lance at 12 in Denver. No, I don't hate it. I mean, you're pulling the rug straight out from um, our good yes. friends up in Chicago. Also, but, you know, why? You, I feel like you you do enjoy doing that at times. Um, Chicago, then, here at number 13. They they don't get any of the quarterbacks. They don't get Zach Wilson. They don't get Trey Lance. But they do get Christian Derrissaw, who is still on the board. And normally, where Chicago has been slotted in these mock drafts, it's been, you know, 18, 19 somewhere in the 20s, and there's just like there haven't even been any good offensive linemen left either. Now it's like, okay, they don't get the quarterback they need. That's something that they got to get figured out, but at least they get a good offensive lineman out of it. Christian Derrissaw going to Chicago should make them happy in a vacuum, even if they don't get a quarterback. So I'll go Derrissaw here to the, to the, to the Bears. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal an idea from Brentley, Brentley, one of our our members of our scouting staff who had the mock draft for this week, which I really liked, which was sending Rayshon Slater at 14 to the Vikings, uh, and it's a it's a nifty idea because the, obviously everybody's been throwing Wyatt Davis to the Vikings and it makes sense, um, but they do have to worry about Riley Reef and, and improving that tackle position as well as potentially improving their guard spot where they've had issues for the past couple of years. Slater is one of those really good tackle prospects who will be considered a guard by some because mm -hmm. of, of length limitations. And so with Slater, you get to do that wonderful, delightful thing that I love to talk about, which is putting your best five out on the field, acknowledging that that versatility allows you to move pieces around, better react to injury, and also just simply maximize your starting unit. And so if it ends up being that you have another good year of, of Reef and you're able to start Slater at guard and then kick him to tackle, well, all, all, all the better for your draft pick. You got a year one return out of him, even though he didn't play the position you perhaps envisioned for him. So that's I, I love the positional versatility there. I think it works very well. And he's athletic enough to, to get done what they need to get done at their guard spots in, in that zone running system. So Slater at 14 to the Vikings, if you like him that much, really good scheme fit, really good, uh, uh, you know, year projection sort of a fit for, for how they look moving forward. I agree. This is a sneaky, really good spot for Rayshon Slater. Be uh, fun. Yeah, because of what you said, the versatility there and in, in, in what he can do. And we're seeing offensive linemen across the NFL sometimes start at one position and end up getting upgraded to another. I mean, Michael Onyewu from, uh, for, for the New England yeah, Patriots is, is the Wadu, number one exam example, right? I mean, like, they've bounced him around a lot. Now he's found a home at right tackle. And, Elton Jenkins for Green Bay. Uh, right, Elton Jenkins for Green Bay as well. And so, look, you know, just because you get drafted to play one spot doesn't mean you can't get upgraded later in your career. Like, they might want to play Rayshon Slater on the inside so they get him as interior guy, and then who knows? Two years, two years down the road, you're ending up starting him at tackle, and you love it. So I like to pick just because I think he's a good offensive lineman. And I'm all about drafting good players. Patriots at 15. Kyle Pitts is still here. I'm going to stay boring. I think it's got to be Kyle Pitts. I think that even with the wide receivers that are still on the board, uh, we've got Devontae Smith, we've got Rashad Bateman, we've got Terrace Marshall, we've got Rondell Moore, we've got guys like that. I still think that the Patriots would prioritize a player like Kyle Pitts, even if you view him as like, okay, he's a glorified wide receiver that they're listing at a different position. It don't matter. I mean, like this is an offensive weapon, and I would trust Belichick to uh, continue that Kyle Pitts success as much as anybody at the next level. So I'm going Kyle Pitts here. Uh, 16 to the 49ers. 
Mm. Wyatt Davis still available is very interesting to me. Yeah, it's a nice one. That could be a good one. All right. And like, so the thing with the 49ers is always what do they do at corner? Because if they go, you know, cheap at corner and they try to make a change, they they are coordinating themselves into selecting that position here in, in the first round because you're looking at a departure from Richard Sherman, potential departure from. I mean, everybody's, uh, Jason everybody's up, right? I'm pretty yeah, sure everyone then, in their quarterback cornerback room is up. Right. So, no, no yeah, it's, it's Sherman, Witherspoon, Jason Verrett, and then they still have, I think, a year of Emmanuel Mosley because I'm pretty sure he's a uh, exclusive rights free agent. But anyway, okay. so let's say that if they if they keep it such that they don't need to spend the round one pick on it, and I do think J.C. Horn fits what they like and what they need, then you have the ability to go into your offensive line. I'm, I think that they should do so. I think they should take Wyatt Davis. Obviously, they've been quite good in the running game despite some of the choices they made in the interior offensive line and the way that they've gone uh, in the bargain bin. But if there's a lesson to be learned from the 2019 to the 2020 Ravens, it's you can get away with cheap offensive line play to a point, And all of a sudden, once you hit that point, boy, it blows up your offense pretty quick. Uh, and so I think that you continue to invest in your strength. Wide Davis at 16, nice and easy. Okay. I like that pick. Why Davis? We don't get to pick him to the 49ers very often. I think it's a lot of other guys. So we've got usually some, doesn't make it past Minnesota. Yeah, we've got some nice names here that, that we're switching up in this mock draft, which I like. Las Vegas Raiders. Edge rusher's a big one. Linebacker could be. Interior offensive lines need. I think edge rusher's probably the biggest need for him. Yeah, this is usually the spot where you kind of start that second run on edges. I, I wonder if they would like Joseph Osai more than they would Aziz Ojolari. Because, like, Osai, to me, it, it I, I wonder if they want more of, like, the mm-hmm. mold that they were trying to draft with Cleveland Farrell or if they want something different. Because if Cleveland Farrell was this blueprint that, is the kind of edge player that they want, I think that they would pick Joseph Osai. But if they want something a little bit different and they want more juice around the edge, I think that they would go jo- or Aziz Ojolari. And I think that's what they need more. So I'm going to go Ojolari here at number 17 to the Raiders. But it's kind of a toss-up between those two dudes. I'm just going back and forth wondering what the Raiders would rather do. So, at I, yeah, it could be either guy, but I'll go Ojolari because I think that's the kind of player they need more. So you were up with the Ravens at 18? Devonta Smith's on the board for the Ravens. Yep. To me, the the possession receiver is what they need. Yeah. I'm tempted by Rashad Bateman, TBH. I think he can be a really good possession receiver because of the, the strength separating underneath the, the frame, the leverage, and then he's a, a surprisingly good yak player, but also Devonta Smith is a surprisingly good yak player. Like he's just ludicrously fluid and he's got, I think, better speed than I attribute to him and, and many others attribute to him. It's it's still Devonta Smith. It's got to be. The Ravens need stick mover at wide receiver. It's so unsexy, right. but that they just, they have missed that in the passing game this year. They need a guy on third and four who's going to get six. And while that sounds dumb, they would have twice as many points this year if they just had that dude. Uh, so I think Devonta Smith, you know, be humble. Don't like, you know, go for just the talented. Like, I, like this is an Eagles, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson thing. But just go for the talented kid. Just go for the kid who's good at the position and did it at a high level at a very quality program. And he's yeah. going to be successful in the league. And even if it could have been, you know, all explosives, da, 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 this is what you need. Take the guy. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I think that this is this is the pick that, you would want them to make mm-hmm. is getting Devonte Smith, especially when you look at that wide receiver room and it's, 
you know, not the best passing year from Lamar Jackson, but even when he's been on target, I feel like a lot of his receivers have let him down. Devonta Smith, I doubt would let him down really. So here we are with the New York Giants picking at number 19. This is, I think, the first draft where we've had the, the, the Giants picking this far down in the draft. Edge rusher, linebacker, corner, maybe some wide receiver, some offensive line. I mean, like they could use some upgrades in a variety of different areas. I'm going to stick along the defensive line. And even though Joseph Osai is there, I'm going to go with more of a, a guy who I think has a higher athletic ceiling in Jason Oa from Penn State. And wow. I think this is... I think Giants this, fans are big on Joseph Osai. You made a lot of people upset right there. I think that this... But you already made those Giants fans upset, if we're going to be honest. A little reach <laughs> on Jason Oa, but maybe I'm just not as sold with Osai being different enough from some of the guys that they already have in their room. Now that I'm thinking of it, I'm, I'm gonna go back this week and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to identify exactly the kind of edge rusher. But in my head, as I'm trying to think of what the Giants might need, I feel like Jason Oa would be the player that they would like more. So, or that they would need more. They just need more speed. They need more athleticism from an edge presence than than Osai might give them. And so I'll go Jason Oa. I've already pissed off Giants fans this week, so um, I guess if they're gonna hate me for the entire week, hate me for the entire week, and we'll we'll circle back, we'll hug it out, and we'll come back next mock draft. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Arizona Cardinals. I've been excited. I, I I like the Cardinals defense over the last few weeks. Man, Vance Joseph's really putting together a good unit, in my opinion. Uh, got Jalen Thompson back from injury right when Deontay Thompson got hurt. He's been playing quite well over the last couple of weeks. Buda Baker's obviously playing outside of his mind. They've been getting uh, Isaiah Simmons more regularly onto the field. He's taken a majority of the snaps in, a few, in, I think, three of the last four weeks. Obviously, Hassan Reddick has actually been now a good sub-package edge for them. Uh, with the way that those guys play, even Byron Murphy, who plays the nickel for them, it's exciting to see how much versatility they're able to get on the field and how much concealing and, and disguising and screwing around they get to do with their second-level players. They also still have a needed outside corner. Uh, right now, Drake Kirkpatrick is their second outside corner, and that is going poorly. So I like Sean Wade at 20, and Sean Wade has not played his best ball this year. I don't think it was expected that with a defensive coaching change, truncated offseason, and essential position switch, that Sean Wade was going to come out and light the world on fire, but I thought it looked better than this. Uh, so there's there's a difficulty in the evaluation here. We know that there are people in the league and people in, in, in draft media who think that Wade will be better suited in the NFL for playing more of that nickel slot box safety role than he will be to the outside where he just doesn't have experience, at least at first, if not long term. Well, here in, in Arizona, that's a really good spot for him because since they do so much, uh, you know, fire zone, three rushes, three underneath, three deep sort of a stuff, he'll be able to play a lot of different zone coverages. He'll be able to line up on the outside edges. He's very physical against the run. We know he's a good run defender. Will be successful on the blitz and then dropping into those zones where I think he's a better zone cover than man cover defender right now. You can also, in camp, See if you like him as your outside corner opposite uh, Patrick Peterson, potentially eventually supplanting Patrick Peterson as he has time to develop. So I think that he, not unlike Rashawn Slater for, for the Vikings, fits in the current system now and could fill a more important role later. Uh, so I like Sean Wade in theory. Cardinals at 20. Okay. All right. Buccaneers are up now at number 21. Samuel Cosme is still here, and, and we just talked about Samuel Cosme on yesterday's podcast when we were discussing him opting out early. And I was kind of cautious about him being a surefire first-round pick. But for the Buccaneers, I think it makes sense. You get a guy who gives you that tackle upside, 
maybe he'll give you some guard versatility, but I really do think that right away you'd probably be placing him either at right or left tackle. And he's got that versatility to him. If you want to kick Wirfs over to left tackle, Wirfs is having a fantastic season. I know you don't want to disrupt that if you don't have to, but he, with his experience playing both sides of the line, that gives you that option. And I do think when I look at this team that offensive line is still the number one need that you got to address in the first round. I think they've got to figure something out with that left tackle spot because Donovan Smith has not been what you've needed him to be, especially as they look into next year and think about making a deep playoff run. So I'll go Sammy Cosme here at number 21 for the Bucks. 22 Miami Dolphins coming off the Jalen Waddle pick. Yeah, I mean, this. I want Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa, but I also want him at 24 to the Browns. Eh. Joseph Osai. Oh, yeah. Joseph Osai at, 19, at 22 to the, the uh, Miami Dolphins. When we talk about them playing cover one or cover zero truly with those six guys on the line of scrimmage. And then at times bailing into, into zone coverage, Osai is really, really nicely suited for that sort of Jack linebacker role. If you view him as a potential Jamie Collins like player in terms of his athletic ability, ability to actually line up as a stack linebacker, but then be a sufficient edge rusher, his background at Texas and doing both is going to be really nice for you when you ask him to fill out both of those roles. And so I think that, if you anticipate Emmanuel Ogba coming back down to earth a little bit and you want to add to your pass rush, but you also want to add to your linebacking core while keeping the versatility of your front seven, that that nebulous, undefined, who's rushing, who's dropping mystique, Joseph Osai is really good for that. So Osai add 22 to the, the Dolphins. I think it solves a couple of needs for them. Colts are up at 23. Anthony Costanzo is 32. Just suffered an MCL sprain. It's not as bad as we, we thought that it was originally going to be, but... Signed a two-year deal this offseason, so it's not like he's the franchise tackle there. They would like that offensive line to, of course, stay as strong as possible. So I think I'm going to go offensive line here. I think mm-hmm. I'll go. I think I'll go Jalen Mayfield. I think I'll pick Mayfield because they're in a situation where you draft Mayfield, and he doesn't have to 100% start day one. Right, because exactly. Costanzo is still that option there. And I like the upside of Mayfield. I mean, he's a mean cuss. Like, he is a big, strong, athletic dude. But I would be somewhat hesitant to stick him out there right away. It, it, to the Colts, he doesn't have to, and it might be a really great transition with it being Costanzo's last season and then being able to get Mayfield in there and get some playing time before he really kind of solidifies that role as a starter the year after that. So we are drafting a guy thinking he like might have sparing playing time in his first year, and so I would maybe have to think about this situation more. I guess it does depend how much you really trust in Costanzo, but I do think offensive line is still their big need, and you don't want to you don't want to have a big drop off. Like you don't want to do what the Cowboys right. invest did. in your strength, right? Where the Cowboys went from, and they the Cowboys were really unfortunate this year. But we saw the Cowboys go from like one of the best offensive lines in the league to like all of a sudden just because of a series of events and get I get it, guys get hurt, but. They're now at a point where it's just like, holy crap, like who is there? You know, we're talking about them drafting Penny Sewell in, in the top five at this point. And so you never want it to just like sneak up on you. And so I think that this pick would prohibit or would would help out and, and wouldn't have that happen for the Colts. No, I like it. It's Danny Pinter erasure and I won't stand for it, but I like it. Uh, 24. Cleveland Browns, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, linebacker out of Notre Dame. I alluded to this when I did not let the Miami Dolphins pick him. This is one of my favorite like late-round prospect team pairings, and if the Browns are picking at 
15, I'd be willing to do this. And if they're picking at 30, I'd be hoping I could do this. So I don't think I would be able to. Wusu Koromoa has been uh, one of the delights of this year's college football and, and that entire defense in Notre Dame. They play fast. They play aggressive. They're well built to defend in the RPO. And a lot of that goes to having a skeleton key like Wusu Koromoa, who is so physically sound against the run, despite playing at a size and with an agility that is indicative of a box safety. He's truly that hybrid type that you want just sitting in the overhang, sitting at your apex, making decisions for you. It's about RPOs are about putting players in conflict. And Owusu Koromo is the sort of player that can survive and even thrive in conflict because he has the physical and mental tools to do multiple things at once. And when you're able to break an offense with a player like that, it's what generates pressures for your defensive line and interception opportunities for your other players. He truly is, I think, a, a problem solver, a pressure alleviator. And so for a team like Cleveland with, with very little talent at linebacker right now, he's worth the pick at 24. Joker to Cleveland. I want to go offensive line here with the Jacksonville Jaguars at number 25. They took Justin Fields at number two. I think investing in the line in front of him is the best investment that you can make. Trevor just trying to empty the offensive tackle shelves right now. I love it. Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to 21, <laughs> 23, and 25 are all going to be OT picks for you. It's cool. Oh, wow. You're right. Um, I guess I'm a sucker for a good trench play, right? I mean, yeah, if you man. don't have it, just increase it. Elijah Vera Tucker's having a really good year for USC. I think that you can draft him to Jacksonville and he can have a variety of different options for you, including the ceiling of potentially playing left tackle eventually, if that's what you want him to do. And so uh, with him having that that high ceiling as a tackle player, I'm going to go with Elijah Vera Tucker to the Jaguars to bolster that O-line. Big boys, that's the theme. I'm all about it. Thick. I like it. Uh, usually at this stage for the Jets, right, you, you get Trevor Lawrence at one, and then at 26, you get young playmaker to go with young quarterback, right? And Rashad Bateman sitting there fat over the middle for me, uh, which I think would be a really nice pairing with Denzel Mims and Jameson Crowder. They got Bateman and Mims. That, that's just the Ben Solak. Like, Mims was my dude last year, and Bateman's, Bateman, I've been so excited about going back to last year. So I, I would love that pairing a lot. But J.C. Horn at, at 26 is interesting to me. This team does not have a true corner one. The best play they've gotten from a corner has been Bryce Hall over the last couple of weeks. And we liked Bryce Hall. Uh, a limited player. He's successful in a vertical third. You need to play cover one, cover three. You need safety help if he's getting deep stuff behind him. Transitions aren't great. Uh, the ball skills are delightful, though. And the physicality against the run and against the pass is where he's strong. Uh J.C. Horn's not a dissimilar player. He doesn't have the same length and size. I think his transitions are better, and I think that, that he can be more of a true man cover guy moving around across the formation. But if you put him opposite Bryce Hall, you're going to be able to line up on the line of scrimmage with two young corners and be very aggressive early in the reps with success. These are two of the better press corners that have come out in the last couple of years, and I think that's going to help open up your pass rush, which isn't necessarily the best right now. Uh, so I, I like that pairing a lot stylistically. I think that's going to be a tough group to to complete passes on the outside. So J.C. Horn at 26 to the Jets. I uh, don't want to neglect defense just because I've got a brand spanking new quarterback. All right. Well, I got to hurry up here with these these last couple picks. Make sure we get out of here in time. Wow. Must be a midweek. Tennessee. <laughs> Tennessee. I mean, we've had edge rusher for Tennessee for their last couple of picks, but I'm going back to old reliable. I'm giving him J. Tufele in this draft. We've got a lot of edge rushers that are wow, already off the board. Welcome back, J. Tufele. And um, I, uh, you know, we, we, I think originally started, at least I did, enjoying the idea of the pairing of J. Tufele, who is a guy who just plays at an insane speed with his size, with Jeffrey Simmons, who's already becoming one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. You get those two guys, you're disrupting a lot of stuff in the middle. And these are two strong, big, fast dudes who can affect both the run and the pass. So I'm going to go J. Tufele, pair him with Jeffrey Simmons again, here for the Titans at 27. 
I like that. Uh, and, and in the same way that I feel like the Browns and Jeremiah Wusu koromoa is a pairing that I, I'm hunting here at the back end of a mock draft, Eric Stokes, the corner out of Georgia to Buffalo at 28 is another one. Sure. Uh, and, and, and very simply, if you're going to play in Buffalo, Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott defense at outside corner, I need you to be good at pretty much everything. I mean, they throw a lot of pitches. Uh, and they, they play a lot of zones, short and deep. They play a lot of match quarters. And then they're going to also need you to play true man coverage. Uh, and Eric Stokes, his greatest trait to me is his versatility. He is so very well-rounded. Uh, and the knock, which has always been ball production on him, is starting to to come to fruition this year. His really quality play is being rewarded with, with some good plays on the football. Uh, if the ceiling isn't super high, you're not drafting him to be a corner one in a couple of years. You have Tredavious White for that. So if this were like the, the Cardinals or the Niners, you're, you're maybe going for a more high-ceiling guy with the Bills and Tredavious White. Stokes at corner two, he's going to be... He's a multi-year starter. He's a senior. He's gonna. He's a senior. Retro junior. Retro junior. Yeah. He's no, gonna a multi-year yeah, starter. He, yeah. He's a polished player. He's gonna be ready to contribute for you in year one. And you're a playoff team with a need at corner two. That's exactly what you want. So Stokes makes too much sense for me there. I, I like the fit a lot. I like this next pick. But I'm a little worried about it. Mike Pedden been doing some weird things with Green Bay's defense. What? Don't don't ruin this young man. All right. I'm giving you Zayvon Collins. It's your boy. Don't blow it for me. I do think that the Green Bay Packers need some linebacker help. And Zayvon Collins, dude, six foot four, two fifty five, two sixty, moves like he's like two forty. I mean, this this dude is crazy athletic for his size. And getting Green Bay that kind of player at the end of the first round, I don't even know if he lasts this long because I think the NFL is going to be really intrigued by how well he moves for this size. But if, if Green Bay can get their hands on him, I think they're going to jump at it. So linebacker Zayvon Collins from Tulsa. One of the highest risers, I think, in this entire college football season. I got him going to Green Bay at 29. Whew, Chiefs at 30. Man, I want to give him Rashad Bateman. But I don't know if, if, if Rashad Bateman's going to run fast enough for him. Rashad Bateman's going to run a 4, 5, 6. They're going to take him off the board. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough team speed mm-hmm. there. He would be really, he'd be really fun, though. Um, I don't want to go into your offensive line. I don't like who I've currently got available. I'd rather wait on that. Linebacker has been largely gutted. Dylan Moses and Nick Bolton would still both be good picks. Oh, it's tough to neglect offensive line like this, though. You got to you got to go offensive line over linebacker. You know, you get a guy in round two, put him next to Willie Gay, and just be fine with that moving forward. Yeah, with my league blitz him. I mean, maybe if it was Collins, it'd be a different conversation. But yeah, okay. I'm going to go into your offensive line. I'll take Creed Humphrey, uh, who uh, oh, I'm nice. not sure. I'm not sure if Creed ends up around one player, but back half of the first round, or excuse me, like the really end of the first round here at 30 overall, you're looking at a immediate plug and play starter. Again, not dissimilarly to Stokes. He's probably not the highest ceiling player, but he's sufficient size to kick a guard if you need him to. He's experienced at center, so he's going to be really good for you as a potential O-line six if he doesn't immediately win a starting job. And because he played in Oklahoma, he's got a ton of experience working a ton of different angles, working to the second level. We know that wrestler background allows him to move a lot of guys out of a lot of difficult angles and difficult gaps. And for Kansas City, with their running game, the way that they like to, to screw around with some shovel passes and some misdirection stuff, you need that in your center. Uh, so Humphrey works for them. Saints are tough at 31. They traded for Quan Alexander, so I don't know how much they're, they they already think like they have linebackers solved with Alexander and Demario Davis, even with the other guys on contract that might be out of there. Quarterback's obviously extremely weird because they're <clears throat> fine playing Taysom Hill and they're not playing Jameis. And when Breed's going to come back, he's going to have that, but it might be totally different and they might totally invest in Taysom Hill next year. I don't really know. 
corner they don't really need. Wide receiver don't really need, but I think that's just because the, the roster is so strong. I mean, wide receiver, I guess give me Terrence Bar- Terrace Marshall, I guess. Just give him another offensive weapon. Rashad Bateman. Yeah. Trevor. All right, fine. I'll go Rashad Bateman. Yes, I don't know. I, I like Sir. I like maybe maybe I'm just I'm th- I, I I did an article about Will Fuller and I thought of the idea of getting Will Fuller on the Saints to just like take the top off the defense and I really really like that idea because Michael Thomas obviously is clearly a guy who just likes to pick people apart quick off the line of scrimmage and you got to get the quick stuff and you get the yards after catch and all that and like Rashad Bateman's kind of like still that guy and I think that he's going to be a similar mold in the NFL so I was like ah I like the idea of getting a speed guy there more but Rashad Bateman's just a better football player so. All right, I won't piss Ben off too much. I'll go. I'll go Rashad Bateman for this. You'll season. pick the, the good player, and you'll like it. Um, and you are gonna like it. <laughs> Steelers at thirty-two. Uh, Zion Tupuola Fatui is still on the board now. Uh, we don't even have Zion in the uh, in the player database yet. <laughs> Do you not he have him? Came out of nowhere. Wow. No, just, he's not in the database. Just right, right at the draft network every day. Just right Dude, I'll, like... start, I'll, I'll start barraging the social team, and they'll be like, why are you? You're the one who can do this. Like, what are you talking about? Um, no, I mean, like, I, I don't know if he comes out, but I do think there's potential first-round talent there. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, wow. Steelers at 32. If they wanted to go edge, I mean, with, with Bud Dupree potentially on a contract year, uh, Alex Highsmith, Highsmith has played well, but if you lose Dupree, then edge is on the table for them at 32. Um, but in, in more seriousness... I like the idea of them going corner. I forget who presented it, but the, Joe Hayden's long in the tooth, and I think that probably the 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 steep cliff is coming for him quite soon. And then Steven Nelson, who they got in free agency, and was a good signing. Mm-hmm. I think you'd prefer to be your corner too, and even then, it is not the, the best corner that you've ever seen. So let's keep in mind here that, that we need to keep corner strong in this defense, especially for as much as we want to uh, aggressively blitz. At this stage, I have mostly project guys. Darion Kendrick, Tyson Campbell. I think Tyson Campbell's been playing well, though. Yeah, right. And that, and like this is this is I think is the the good year of Tyson Campbell that really puts the feather in his cap. Darian Kendrick is apparently really well liked as a project in the league. Uh, Dane had him top fifteen in his mock draft. We Dre Harris for us, who's an ex defensive back, has had him top fifteen before. I prefer Tyson Campbell. Uh, so the the corner out of Georgia, Tyson okay. Campbell. You have the uh, ideal size six two one ninety. He's had like Trev said uh, quite a good season. I think yeah. he's very comfortable in true man coverage. And, you can teach him what you need to in terms of zone instincts, hopefully over a couple years for him to be ready to start in that defense. So Tyson Campbell at 32 to the Steelers. Let's throw a bone to some of the teams that don't have first round picks. Let's start with the Seattle Seahawks. We'll go Seattle, Los Angeles Rams, then Houston Texans. We'll start with the Seahawks. Edge, offensive tackle, interior offensive line, uh, maybe interior defensive line, certainly interior offensive line as well. Kind of like real big trench help for the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, they're picking, what's their first pick? Uh, it is 58 right now and the Rams pick 57. So they're around the same spot. What do we think? I mean, like, what are just like some names for the Steelers and the Rams? Um, Steelers. I mean, the or, Seahawks. Sorry, yeah, Seahawks and, yeah. and the Rams. Yeah. Uh, Seahawks need an edge. There's a good edge out of Washington. Zion Tupola Fatui. Uh, guys that I would honestly, if, if the Seahawks are going for edge, I mean, um, Jalen Phillips. 
I mean, former number one recruit in the country. He's kind of starting to put it all together at Miami. It's a flashes right now, but that's a potential name. I think Patrick Jones II is a potential name. Um, Carlos Basham, if he makes it there. I like Hamilcar Rashid for for what Seattle likes. I think he has the size that they're going to want. Sound against the run. He's a good TFL producer, uh, and that that's important to them. But he is an outside track rusher, and that like they've a lot of their current edge success, like even with like LJ Collier and Allen Robinson and kind of that profile. Those are inside track rushers. Uh, Hamilcar Rashid can really actually win on the outside for you. Uh, So if you're talking about him outside of the top fifty, to me that's good value. Uh, So he profiles to what they would like. I I try to give them Shaka Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Shaka Tony, the, the Penn State edge, who's another really good outside corner player, is just too small for what they, they want. If they took him, I think it'd be great. I think it, he would immediately win over Daryl Taylor and he would be their outside rusher. But he's going to be like 6'3", 245. And that's just not big enough for them. Rams as well. I mean, like they're looking at trench stuff, but I kind of feel like offensive line is a big need them. I mean, if they can get Landon Dickerson, the interior offensive lineman from Alabama at 57, that would be great. I don't know where he's going to go at this point, but I know he's gaining steam. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are bringing his name to the forefront. Um, is this Rams you're talking about? Yeah, they're they're picking yeah. like 57, 58 for the Rams and the Seahawks as of right now, and they both mm-hmm. have big trench needs. And so I'm just listing off some guys that could be targets for them. Uh, I think it's a little early for Ben Cleveland, but I mean, you know, like if shoot, if Trey Smith is there, if if Josh Myers is there, you know, like mm-hmm. these are all offensive linemen that I think could potentially be big targets for them as well. If you get a uh, if you get one of the three down linebackers, this is a good linebacker class. If you get Nick Bolton, Chaz Surratt, sure that too, Bill Cox, yeah, right. You think about how they like to go light boxes and get their linebackers really involved in in the passing game, right? Right now they they pretty much play two backers outright, and Micah Kaiser is their primary linebacker, and he's just not the the sort of player you want in in short zones. Uh, you know, Kenny Young they try to keep him on the field in third downs. Troy Reader as well, but that's just not a high ceiling. You talk about a Jabril Cox, Nick Bolton. That I think is 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 would be very nice, very good for that defense the way they like to play. And then the Texans they don't pick until seventy five. It's tough for them. They could Woof. use some they could use some interior offensive line help, corner, edge, yeah, you got, maybe a tight end. Got to be, yeah. I mean, corner though when you're picking at seventy five. I mean, Rodarius Williams from Oklahoma State. I know some people like him. Elijah Molden, like um, he's a name that you could throw out there. Israel McQuamu potentially. Uh, I, I don't know if Paulson Adebo is going to still be there at that time. I think that he'll probably go earlier than that. Edge, if you're looking that late, like a Joe Tryon, a Brenton Cox Ooh. Jr. from Florida, I don't mind that. Um, they like the Pittsburgh kids because of their experience, the way that they uh, they move that line around. Pat, Patrick Jones, Rashad Weaver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dalen Hayes uh, potentially from Notre Dame as well could be a name to watch. What about interior O-line? I mean, I guess like that would be a spot where – Drake Jackson, Sedarius Hutcherson, Drake Jackson, the, the interior offensive lineman from Kentucky, Sedarius Hutcherson from South Carolina, Ben Cleveland, uh, the guard from Georgia. I mean, like these are just some names to to keep an eye on. But seventy five, man, that's right. I for- just yeah, if the I mean maybe if the Texans get Gary and Conley back and healthy, and they feel like they're going to be okay at at outside corner with him, which like I, I watched Conley this year, yeah, uh, his, his his film, and I like I, I liked Conley as a prospect, and I thought that he was playing well. But like if they try to walk into another season with Vernon Hargraves and Bradley Roby. It's not going to be great. Boy, you're outside your melon. Like, you got to fix this. So, I I think outside corner. But you're right. I mean, when you're in the third round, you're not getting a starter at corner, man. It's it's too thin. It's very tough right now for Houston, at least uh, for the next year when the draft. But we wanted to give you guys some love. There is the midweek mock draft uh, for 
post week 12, pre week 13, however you want to see it. Tomorrow, Ben and I are going back to uh, our betting lines. We are going to preview and pick all of the games that are coming up in week 13 this weekend in the NFL. And then Fan Friday is back this Friday. We took a week off for Thanksgiving, but we're going to be back at the end of the week. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.